Hey everyone, welcome back to the Black Chain Podcast. Uh, we'll start off with a little housekeeping. Uh, I posted another uh, podcast this week about my outlook for cryptocurrency in 2019. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead and check it out. You can find it on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, the website at blackchain.co, or even I uh, probably posted it on the Facebook and Twitter page as well. Uh, with that said, this podcast is going to be about the kind of state of the union and outlook for crypto mining specifically. And so I want to talk about that in particular because obviously it's a big part of the crypto community, crypto industry, and it's kind of uh, in a pretty big change, I, I would say, for this year or a pretty big difference from last year at this time. So to kind of give you a little bit of a recap, uh, Crypto mining is a, a part of a lot of different coins, a lot of different cryptocurrencies, and Bitcoin specifically uh, as well uses proof of work, and proof of work has an algorithm associated with it. Uh, for Bitcoin, it's SHA-256. For Litecoin, it's Script. For Zcash, it's Equihash. For Monero, you know, it's uh, Crypto Knight or something to that effect. And Ethereum, it's like Edhash. So they all have these mining algorithms, and what that essentially means is you need uh, a particular piece of hardware that is uh, good at mining that. And sometimes it's GPUs. Sometimes, uh, at least back in the day, it was CPUs for some some coins. Uh, and uh, nowadays, it's more ASICs and in some cases, FPGA. So to kind of recap, you have CPUs, GPUs, uh, ASICs, and FPGAs. And if you're not familiar with all those, I mean, it's a pretty easy Google search to figure out what all those are if you're not uh, intimately familiar with hardware. But nowadays, uh, most mining occurs uh, with ASICs and GPUs, and ASICs are just uh, very specific chips for mining a particular algorithm. Um, FPGAs, uh, as I mentioned before, they uh, can be reconfigured, but same sort of idea as the ASICs, but reconfigurable and typically not as efficient. And the GPUs are just graphic, graphical processing units uh, that are typically used in gaming or, or uh, rendering and things like that. So overall, what we have is, you know, a very different uh, environment than we had at uh, in 2018 at this time. So 2019 uh, mining versus 2018 uh, mining is very different. And last year it was booming. Uh, Bitmain had just uh, in uh, 2017, I should say, had record profits. I guess we just moved into the next year. Um, and then 2018, they had, I believe, a good first quarter, and then just all hell broke loose after that. And the big reason for that is just the price of cryptocurrencies across the board just plummeted. And the exchange rate is uh, directly tied to the profitability in dollar uh, or fiat currency, if you will. Um, and so when the price drops, your exchange rate drops, your block reward stays the same for the most part, uh, assuming there's no halving. Uh, and then assuming fees are relatively constant. And so your income drops significantly. So if the price of your cryptocurrency dropped by 80%, 90%, then your revenue dropped by that much, not to mention that other miners probably came online during that time period. And so you had more competition, so your portion of the uh, block reward went down. So overall, lots of headwinds. It was a massive increase uh, in, the, in the number of miners. There was, like I said, price drop and all these things. So you had this perfect storm to where uh, miners just got killed last year, and that's you know pretty normal. We've seen this throughout the years, uh, from the beginning. Uh, I believe I first got into uh, Bitcoin somewhere around 2011-ish, and you know started off mining with GPUs, uh, AMD GPUs. I remember that, and you could. I think I, I was stoked to have you know on the order of a couple mega hashes, and now we're in the uh, terahashes. You know, I think the 
latest Bitcoin miners are anywhere from 15 to 30 terahash in consume, you know, anywhere from like 1600 watts to 3000 watts, you know, roughly on those numbers. So a big change, uh, many, many orders of magnitude change. And so very different environment. But what hasn't changed is this boom and bust cycle. So you have these booms where the price goes up and then all of a sudden mining is incredibly profitable. It's profitable to build the miners and then invest, you know, the millions of dollars required to design the chip and then fab them and distribute them. And so we just got out of one of those cycles. And again, this has been happening over and over and over again in, in crypto. And if you look at the kind of history, you have a lot of, uh, you know, very uh, booming companies. And then you have a lot of dead companies in the, in the crypto mining hardware space. And it's just never going to change. Uh, it's just how it, hap how it works. Now, the, I guess the only reason it would change is if the price didn't boom and we kind of stabilized and... Uh, there just wasn't a lot of incentive to create a ton of new hardware, and so you don't you wouldn't get these you know new companies just booming, going crazy, and then busting. Um, so that's a little bit about the background there, and what I'll say for the outlook. So the outlook is is kind of interesting because there are some people, most people have figured it out, but some people are still mining, and that's fine. Obviously, you have to have miners, and in some jurisdictions where you have low electricity costs, it may make sense, or you have a large enough operation. Or maybe you have, you know, waste energy that you're using. Or maybe, hell, you're just really into this and, and it makes sense for you to continue mining. I don't know. Or it's subsidized, you know, by your other operations. But if you look at, you know, kind of what to mine or these other mining calculators, you'll see that, uh, you know, for um, a Bitcoin miner at residential electric rates, you're losing like somewhere on the order of a dollar a day, you know. Uh, and that could, you know, go up and down a little bit depending on... Uh, what your electricity rate is and what your hardware efficiency is and things like that. But overall, it seems to be a losing proposition for anyone, you know, buying electricity at retail prices. Uh, and again, that's relative to U.S. prices and other places. Electricity prices can be very different. However, if you have industrial electric prices or you have free electricity or other things, it, it can make sense to continue mining. Um, but again, the, the, the margins are very low and your operations have to be quite efficient. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I expect that to kind of hold for the rest of the year. I don't think Bitcoin's going to uh, go too crazy on the upside. It could go further on the downside and you could see more miners drop off. But the interesting thing about mining overall is, you know, when it becomes less profitable, uh, people turn off their machines um, to a certain extent. Uh, it's not necessarily linearly, linearly related, but they do. And then, you know, the hash rate re recalibrates and then the block rewards are distributed to a smaller pool of people. So it, it basically favors those who are the most efficient, have the lowest cost of operation. Uh, and so from the peak, I think the uh, um, hash rate for Bitcoin was on the order of 60 million terahash or something like that. I could have the units off there in, in the order of magnitude, but call it 60. And then I think about right now it dropped to about, say, 40 um, and so it's about a, you know, I guess that's uh, 20 off, about a 30% drop. Now, the price of Bitcoin dropped 90%, but it was a 30% drop in the hash rate. So I think even if the price, you know, for Bitcoin goes from, you know, three in the 3,000s where it is now to where I think it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely or, or going to happen, but I think it's possible for Bitcoin to head down into the 15 to 2,000 mark. And so then you'd have even less profitability, right? And so you should expect to see the hash rate drop even further. Uh, and, uh, you know, at some point that could become a problem. And where that could become a problem isn't, I don't think, anytime soon. I think it's uh, when the next halving occurs is things could become interesting, but that's 490 days from now. And so what would happen in the next halving is the block reward would be cut in half. 
So all the miners revenue would be cut in half. And the idea overall is that the fees should be increasing um, by then. And if they don't, then, you know, it's, you know, you're just on this uh, cycle where the rewards continue to diminish. It becomes less and less um, uh, profitable to mine. And so you have less and less miners, less and less hash rate and less and less security. But so, again, over the long term, because the block reward halves every four years, you need to increase the user base. You need to keep the blocks full. You need to inflate the um, price of the transaction so that uh, um, it, it's still incentivizing for people to mine the blocks, even without a set block reward, because eventually it goes to zero. And so the fees have to support it. And this is this is the big um, this is a big, big component that a lot of people overlook. And I. I don't want to get too much into it because I want to talk more about the, the state of mining, but it's a very important concept for people to understand. And it's, it's why this currency is still in an experimental state is because, again, the block reward is what's it's like this um, inflation. It, it is an inflation at this point that incentivizes people to mine, that incentivizes people to secure the network. And that halves every four years and eventually goes to zero. So if it goes to zero and, you know, say all else is equal, you know, nothing else changes and nobody's using it and the fees goes to zero, then no one's going to be incentivized to mine it and secure the network and the network goes away and it's done. Bitcoin was, you know, something that happened at this time frame and it was cool and it's gone. So what has to happen is the blocks need to uh, support the uh, the net or, or I'm sorry, the fees need to support the network, you know, increasingly over time. And so that's why, you know, you'll have, you know, well, part of the reason why people will say, you know, the block size shouldn't be increased. Uh, part of that is just the size and centralization of nodes. And then part of that is just keeping a good fee uh, uh, fee demand or keeping a good fee structure so that it can uh, be weaned off of the block reward and the fees can increase. And that's part of the part of the story for Lightning as well, where off chain stuff is happening um, for most of the transactions so that they're cheap and then things are settled. Uh, on chain when there's either disputes or issues or periodically and that those settlements on chain should be relatively expensive actually to replace the block reward but also keep a secure network so uh there's a lot of details there if uh, uh if you want to know more um just let me know and maybe i'll write an article or or, or more, more likely point you to some other articles that uh cover that in more detail so that's that's what's going to be happening years from now. Like I said, it's somewhere on the order of 400 days away. So this year for 2019, I actually don't see much action happening for Bitcoin specifically. I think the price will meander around. I think it'll be relatively flat overall, especially when compared to uh, previous volatility. I think Bitmain is in trouble. I think they are restructuring and they've they've indicated that. They've been closing a lot of uh, locations. They've been, uh, there's talk of uh, uh, management changes. Their IPO, I think, is done, toast. Um, they're not a stable company. You have InnoSilicon. You have, you know, new kids on the block called Obelisk. They don't do Bitcoin miners, but they do some others. I'll talk about them in a little bit in a bit. But overall, I don't see Bitcoin mining changing too much. I do see that uh, um, that there will be a slight increase in efficiencies, very, very slight. I don't think there's going to be anything order of magnitude because that takes quite a bit of investment. And that's why we saw some big jumps in, in technology the last couple of years is just because there was enough money to do it. At this point, there just isn't the demand nor the capital, I believe, to go to some next level. And even in the technology sector or the semiconductor sector, there's difficulties getting below, you know, seven nanometers or getting to seven nanometers. And for these high energy sort of applications, it's I'm not convinced that uh, 
um, smaller feature sizes are, are going to actually be uh, what we need. So that's my outlook for Bitcoin. Uh, if you're mining it now, great, you must have low electricity costs. But for if you're going to think about getting a competitive edge, uh, I think it's more of a case of real estate and electricity rates. So if you can find electricity um, that's super cheap um, or free, if it's waste sort of electricity or uh, electricity that can't be utilized, say, uh, solar farm or wind power or, or things like that and can't be stored uh, well enough, then there might be opportunities for small mi mining sorts of operations that are that are very cost effective uh, and then just factor in your overhead and make sure that they're as efficient as possible. And I think you may see some of those pop up. I think the days for uh, home sort of mining with Bitcoin are long gone um, because it is a, a, a energy intensive uh, algorithm. So I don't see uh, that changing as far as home mining. I think it'll be more industrial. And like I said, I think if, you, if you're looking for some sort of opportunity, it's where there's super low electricity costs or free electricity. Um, and presumably for free electricity, you also have um, the, the, the aspect that you can't sell it any other way. Because even if the electricity is free, if you can sell it to someone else for even market rates, why would you mine for below market rates? So that's uh, the case for Bitcoin, I think. Um, let's see. Are there any other items for Bitcoin specifically? I um, can't think so off the top of my head, but if I think of something, uh, I'll, I'll mention it here. For Ethereum, there's some more interesting things going on. So Ethereum is uh, ASIC and GPU mineable. Uh, ASICs came out, I believe, last year. Um, and the algorithm that Ethereum uses, ETHash, and Ethereum Classic uses that as well, and a handful of other coins. But for, by far, Ethereum's the highest, uh, the largest user, has the highest hash rate. Uh, the, the big news for them is they're going to drop their uh, block reward from three to two uh, on, I think, their next upgrade, which was delayed um, uh, until late February, but they keep delaying that, and eventually they're supposed to move the proof of stake, and they keep delaying that, and you know you know how I feel about Ethereum overall, but uh, the, I, I think that uh, you know, by reducing their block reward, they're they're reducing their inflation. They don't they don't have a formal monetary policy, and so they're kind of trying to keep things in check a little bit by just reducing that block reward, and then that allows them to delay the uh, mining difficulty bomb. So the mining difficulty bomb is basically a, a pre-programmed increase in the difficulty, so it gets harder and harder and harder to mine over time, uh, and that forces people to upgrade. So if they don't upgrade, then it's kind of freezes the net. It freezes the network because just the difficulty to mines is too difficult or too hard and so you, you don't produce any blocks so it forces people to upgrade so it's kind of a smart way to force upgrades um, but you know the idea was to shift to proof of stake and that's kind of really why that was there uh, but that keeps getting delayed over and over and over again and I think when that ultimately does happen you're gonna have issues with forks and contention and all, all these other things potentially even security uh, and there's also talk about them moving to ProgPal, which is a different algorithm, which is more uh, GPU friendly and uh, less ASIC friendly. And I've, and I've said this over and over again, I, and, I, and I would think that people would get this by now, but you know, a lot of people don't, is that nothing is ASIC proof. I think, you know, everyone would agree with that. I mean, that's just facts. Uh, there's ASIC resistance, and ASIC resistance um, simply means that uh, it's, it's either will take some time to implement ASIC or that it's um, comparable to a GPU or some other piece of hardware, but it's it's just resistant. And all these ASIC resistant algorithms lately have all been conquered um, pretty quickly within months. 
So I don't expect ProgPow to be any different. I know there are some smaller coins, I think, that are using it or utilizing it. And once Ethereum uses it, if they end up doing that, uh, I'm, I'm sure people I'm sure people are already working on um, uh, ASICs for that. And so uh, to be fair, though, the ETHash algorithm has been actually pretty resistant um, compared to all the other algorithms. It's, it's actually... Uh, not put GPUs completely out of the market. Uh, I mean, last I checked, at least it could have changed a little bit recently, but it, it's actually been pretty resistant overall. And I think the other part that has made it resistant is that the, the threat of moving to proof of stake um, at some point. And I think people just stopped believing that uh, at some point. So now I think people are more willing to invest money in, and assume that uh, it's still going to be uh, a POW algorithm that they can mine. So that's the big news for Ethereum, at least. Uh, and then jumping over to Litecoin, which uses the script algorithm. Nothing much to say there. I mean, I, I like I said before, Litecoin's a follower coin uh, for uh, Bitcoin and script. It's it's a leader there and it's fine and it works. And uh, there's really just not much to say there. I don't expect uh, any new hardware there um, anytime soon. I just it's just why why would you do that? Um, but one other thing to note that I that I was going to mention about Bitcoin uh, specifically is that it also shares an algorithm with Bitcoin Cash and now Bitcoin Cash SV, which is the SHA-256. And so that presents actually kind of an interesting dynamic, primarily with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Cash SV because they had their recent hash war where you know, they were trying to see who would be the dominant chain. And that was based on kind of hash rate and there were threats by SV to attack BCH and kind of destroy it and so i think that contention is still there even though i i believe sv ended up well i know sv ended up losing the hash war but it provides and presents and, and illuminates that that coins sharing an algorithm can attack each other and over time if they become comparable it's possible um that that could happen um it's competing currencies it's like currency wars in in that occur in fiat currencies, you know, when uh, there's the devaluation of the currencies and, and countries are trying to devalue and get a competitive edge for, you know, export, import sort of stuff and uh, and and buoy their economy. And, and, you know, it's weird to think that uh, devaluing your currency is something you want to do, but it, but, it, but it does have an impact on trade. And so we do have currency wars. We do have carry trades. We have all these things in the fiat world. And, and, and an analogy in the uh, crypto world is, is shared algorithms. And, uh, and, it, and it's analogous. It's not exactly the same. Uh, but it's it's that you might have uh, more cur currency wars. And I, and I mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned this in a podcast, but I definitely mentioned this talking to people is, you know, these currency wars occur. And the currency or this uh, hash war occurred with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash uh, in 2017. And I watched it. Uh, th there was uh, some big swings in the difficulty. I, you know, monitored the different hash rates. And, you know, I, it wasn't overt, but it was, a, I think, a... Uh, uh, subversive sort of attack on Bitcoin Core, uh, and in, and Bitcoin Cash ended up losing, and Bitcoin Core is, is where it is now. So uh, keep that in mind. I, I don't see any particular developments over time. I, I do over this year, I should say. Um, I know Bit, Bitmain is in some financial stress, and I, they hold a lot of Bitcoin Cash, or at least they did. And so there are some aspects there that uh, may have an impact. There are may maybe. Um, some aspects that uh, impact uh, Bitcoin SV because I presumably everyone that had Bitcoin Cash has Bitcoin SV, and I don't know if the they've sold all their stuff or if there might be price manipulation in the future, which then would translate into um, hash rate uh, drops or or whatever based on the price. Um, so let's jump over to a couple other coins and and kind of just give a real quick rundown. So there's Monero. Monero is a 
GPU mineable. I don't see too much things, too much happening. I'm not sure if they, they're continuing to change their algorithm every six months like they had promised uh, because of ASIC resistance, but uh, they're just kind of doing their thing. Dash hasn't been really profitable for a long time. Uh, in 2017, um, they uh, Bitmain dumped a whole bunch of D3 miners. You know, it was all of a sudden super profitable to mine. Well, initially it seemed like it was super profitable to mine Dash. They flooded the market and then just killed the killed that uh, profitability. Um, there might have been some additional miners that have come out, but it is a, a, a electricity intensive algorithm. I uh, don't see too much going on there. They have recently, I think, done some things to uh, defend against 51% attacks because the, I, their network might be vulnerable or may have been vulnerable to that. But nothing too interesting there. Uh, Zcash. Uh, so Zcash is still using the Equihash. I think there were some comments from... Uh, Zuko, I think is how you say the name, that uh, they might consider changing the algorithm at some point. But so far, they're the Equihash dominant uh, uh, coin. And if they do end up changing it, it could be interesting because Horizon, uh, formerly Sencash, could take the Equihash uh, uh, algorithm and be the dominant, uh, dominant in that if they don't change their algorithm. And that would be interesting because when you're a coin, you do want to have the dominant hash rate. Um, and you don't want any other competing coins even close to your hash rate. Otherwise, you can potentially get hash wars or you're susceptible to tax and, and security issues. So finally, I, I kind of wanted to talk about uh, Greencoin so, and, and Mimblewimble. So Mimblewimble has been, you know, the latest and greatest thing in, in crypto. And it may end up flopping, but it's, a, you know, it's a privacy coin using, you know, Mimblewimble. I think it even uses like Dandelion and some other things. Uh, so basically technology for privacy and censorship resistance and all these other things, but it has some particular aspects, one being that uh, uh, it doesn't have addresses, so you kind of have to be active uh, when paying or transmitting between two people, uh, but it could become you know, something like a Monero where it's a very good coin for completely uh, uh, anonymous and, and con uh, I want to say... I'm trying to think of the word. What is it? Uh, I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but very anonymous, very private uh, transactions. And so a lot of people are excited about it. And Beam is the analogy of a more centralized development team that's developing Beam. And then uh, Greencoin is kind of the uh, open source, kind of has the Bitcoin feel to it, where it's you know an open source sort of community project without any block reward or, or not block reward, without any... Um, uh, uh, developer fee or tax or whatever you want to call it. But what's interesting about it is uh, this company called Obelisk, Obelisk uh, which is a spin out from the Saya coin team. And there's a long saga between about Saya coin. You know, in 2017, they indicated that they were going to spin out this company called Obelisk that uh, was going to build miners uh, because they wanted to secure their Saya coin network, which is a distributed storage sort of network. And they, they said that uh, GPUs were not uh, secure. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with their write-up. There was a pretty good write-up about it. Um, so they decided to make a, an ASIC. Um, unfortunately for them, uh, Bitcoin or Bitmain ended up beating them to the punch and releasing, you know, a miner for that algorithm and just basically completely destroyed um, any sort of ROI for the people who had pre-ordered their, their hardware. Um, and they had they built hardware for the, DC, for the Decred and Saya and uh, basically just no profitability by the time they launched which was over a year over a year later i believe or so and they're still even working on delivering batches two through five and they've only delivered their first batch anyway what they ended up doing was forking their own sire project so that uh 
um, all the other miners that InnoSilicon and Bitmain had produced, so that no one else could mine them because they had a little bit of a extra circuitry in their in their ASIC, anticipating that someone else might beat them, and so they had kind of this uh, uh, self dist or um, they had this reset sort of button. So, but then it just favored their miner. So, um, you know, there was some uproar about that, but whatever. So that's that's kind of the history. And so they have Obelisk, which now, you know, kind of provides, you know, services for designing custom ASICs or ASICs at launch. And GrinCoin was a, 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 initially supposed to be, you know, ASIC resistant, ASIC proof sort of thing with, I think it's the Cuckoo uh, sort of algorithm, which would be mineable on GPUs. It is mineable on GPUs, but quickly thereafter, uh, Obelisks uh, announced that they're developing uh, Grin 1 miner uh, that it'll uh, hopefully ship in October 2019. Um, whenever people present a date for when a miner will ship, it's usually much th- much longer thereafter. It sounds a lot like Butterfly Labs back in the day. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of people are interested in GrinCoin. Um, a lot of people are interested in uh, Mimblewimble. And this is kind of the first foray into um, uh, producing a miner for it, which is it's a memory-intensive miner. And what I find interesting about Obelisk is, um, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not endorsing them. I don't, I don't uh, you know, I'm not getting anything for mentioning them or whatever. But the interesting thing is how they've set up their incentive structure. And this is kind of what all these kind of smaller, you know, uh, mining uh, hardware developers have done. Uh, what they do is they sell uh, pre-orders. Uh, and for the uh, Grin 1, they want you to, to buy a voucher. And the voucher is $3,000. And in March, they're going to increase the voucher price to $6,000. But if you buy a voucher now, you will you can redeem it for one, uh, one miner, uh, regardless of, of the price, uh, later on. And if you don't want, if you no longer want the coin for whatever, or the miner for whatever reason, you can just say, I want my money back, and they'll give you $2,000 out of the $3,000 back, no questions asked. And so they learned some lessons in this, in the fact that someone else can beat them to the punch, uh, people wanted to sue them before, um, all sorts of things. And they had to fork their own coin, and that's the only saving grace that they had. If they hadn't forked their own coin, they'd be fucked. So uh, it's interesting how they've set up this incentive structure to where you're not going to get the miner till October. I'm sure there are others thinking or planning or, or that can also build uh, uh, miners. And it's just an interesting thing. It's kind of like if you, you give us $3,000, you will get a miner. We're going to raise the price by two times, so get it now. But if you're not happy, we'll give you, you know, two-thirds of your money back, and so you'll be most kind of happy. You'll be a little mad, but a little ha- not, you know, not too mad. But then they get to net 1000 uh per miner, and so presumably, say they sell 1000 of these, you know, they'll make, uh, oh, I can't even do math anymore, uh, you know, a million bucks if everybody pulled back. Um, and they would still have money. So that's probably, presumably, uh, for most definitely probably to cover some of their development costs. So I find that very interesting, um, but I also find that as a somewhat of a trend. So what people are talking about nowadays, in, in at least the mining community, is what they call, or what's being called by some folks, a speculative sort of mining. And I, I, I partially think that's stupid um, because a lot of these new coins, you know, are not useful or not interesting or not different or don't have a competitive advantage, et cetera, et cetera. And we're getting to a point in the market where things are maturing, where you have a handful of coins. You know, you have platforms, you have proof of stake, you have delegated proof of stake, you have proof of work, you have ASIC resistant, ASIC 
you know, well, nothing's ASIC proof, but you have all these different permutations. There's only so many permutations on the type of blockchain that you can or should deploy. And so I think we've, for the most part, saturated that. The only other aspect is kind of tokens and securitization on top of these different platforms. Um, so when people are creating new proof of work coins, uh, I just don't think that there is a need for that. And I don't think that they can garner significant market share. And if they can, it's going to be something like Grin or Beam where it's kind of one out of a thousand, you know, so you're, you're shooting in the dark. And so if you're mining these coins speculatively, what you're really actually hoping for is that you can, you know, get them and start mining them before they hit exchanges and that there's enough hype once it hits an exchange that you can dump it on other folks for an elevated price. Um, and that's kind of how it works. And so typically people would say, well, why don't you just buy the coin? In, in these cases where they're brand new like this, you can't actually, you know, very easily or at all, well, you can't on day one typically, uh, buy them from an exchange because they just there's time and work that needs to be done. Uh, people need to see how the network develops. And so when you're mining it, you're getting a head start, but you have to have picked the right horse. Um, and there's time associated with doing that research. There's time associated with, you know, maintaining your hardware and systems and so forth. And and so and, and then there's also diminishing probability that these these coins are going to take off and rocket like anything else. So I, I think mining at this point is is just or speculative mining at this point is just not a fruitful endeavor endeavor to start off and and, and do at this point i mean there's a there was and there is and there may be in the future a time and a place and if you like doing it as a hobby then go for it or if you need to heat your home or something over winter go for it but it doesn't make uh, a good business sense at this point now the, the last thing i'll mention is the trend toward memory more memory intensive algorithms that has been the case even with script script was supposed to be or litecoin was supposed to be asic resistant with script and then at hash was supposed to be uh, asic resistance and monero's uh, crypto Knight was supposed to be and prog power was supposed to be and yada 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 and equihash was supposed to be and i can go on and on and on the fact of the matter is, is that they never will be. Even this cuckoo uh, cycle was supposed to be um, up until weeks ago or months ago. So it, they just no, it doesn't exist. In, in reality, uh, ASIC resistance doesn't exist. So I was going to kind of point out that a lot of these are searching for more and more memory intensive sort of application or uh, algorithms to make it more and more resistant, but uh, you can add more memory. It's not impossible to add more memory and memory is getting cheaper and faster and all those other things. So you'll run into the same sort of thing. I do tend to prefer more memory intensive algorithms just because it uses less electricity, but even then you just keep on stacking them. You keep on adding more and it'll add more electricity. It's just at a lower rate than something like uh, uh, Bitcoin SHA-256 or the Blake sort of family of algorithms like Decred and SIA that are energy intensive or even Dash. So with that said, that's kind of my outlook. I, I don't see, again, just like uh, I said before, even with my uh, uh, previous podcast is I don't see a lot of changes. I think this year is relatively flat. My, my non-financial advice uh, is to not... If you're new to this area, if you're just listening to this, to not jump into mining. Uh, if you're interested as a hobby, understand that it's kind of interesting if you're in the hardware, but there, there's not prospects. And, and if there is another broom, the same thing will happen because of just how uh, mining is set up. Mining is set up to go back to equilibrium, which is to be a marginal sort of endeavor, right? So um, with that, I'll close out this podcast. It's a, it's a little long, but hopefully it's useful. Um, if you do like this, you know, uh, share it. Uh, add some comments to whatever place that you're uh, looking at this. 
Um, and uh, I'll see you next time on the Blockchain Podcast.